The following message is from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. For more information, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com. I'm sure that some of us have thought about um, what will life be like after this is all over? Will we shake hands? Will we uh, feel anxious giving each other hugs? How will we um, get together as a church? And what will it be like to sit next to somebody that's not socially distanced from me, that I'm actually just right, right next to them, uh, and will I be okay with that? Uh, there's a number of ways in which the situation is rewiring our thinking. Um, there's a number of ways in which that just happens as a normal part of life, right? There's things that happen, that major events and small events that rewire how we think about things. I'm sure we all have uh, events in our childhood that make us think, well, um, that happened to me. I got, you know, this happened to me as a kid, uh, one way or the other, and I've always done things differently because of that. And that's the way we do a lot of things, right? We, uh, it happens in athletics all the time, right? The, uh, the U.S. hockey team had never had the possibility of beating the Russians, and then in the 1980s, uh, when they, beat the, they finally beat the Russian hockey team, it was suddenly like, oh, our thinking about how Russia can lose uh, to the American hockey team uh, has certainly changed. The, the first man to run the four-minute mile, Roger Bannister, right on May 6, 1954. I know we've got some of our runners here in our congregation, and maybe some of you are as well. The moment he hit the four-mile run, it somehow rewired our thinking to think about how do we change the way we train to be able to run more, uh, more people in a four-mile run or a sub-four-minute run. Uh, Einstein's 1905 physics papers redefined the century for physics, right? Suddenly, nobody knew what uh, the theory of relativity was, and then in 1905, uh, Einstein wrote four physics papers that redefined physics for the next century. Uh, right now, there's all these things going on. We have the Summer Olympics that have been deferred by a year, and uh, I'm already beginning to see some things uh, within the athletic world of how uh, if you set a a new world record in your home gym, does it count as a world record, <laughs> right? Uh, there's a big thing going on, and some of you are aware of uh, my, my interest in strength training, and if, if, if Thor does a 501-kilogram deadlift um, at his home gym this summer, does it beat the world record held by Hedy, Eddie Hall at 500 kilograms, and does it count, right? There's all these things in which major events rewire how we think about things, uh, that is because uh, there is a drama that happens in these major events that captures our heart's song, our heart's narrative, that somehow the possibilities are opened up to us that we had never really considered before. And what's going on here as we celebrate Easter Sunday together, we are celebrating this climactic, this massive event of what has happened in the resurrection of Jesus that has now opened up possibilities that we never thought possible opened up possibilities that we never could have conceived of. It's not simply like somebody being, um, can you be happy in life amidst all the tragedy of life? That's not simply what's going on. We're talking about events that happen that change the possibilities of our spiritual and physical world that had never been opened before. And so when we look at what's happening here, even in this passage of 1 Corinthians 15, it's not simply somebody saying like, you know what, my life's goal is to cure cancer. Like, I mean, that would be a lofty goal. What we're looking at here in this passage is effectively Jesus saying to you, you, you know, you're talking to Jesus at the job site one day, and Jesus says to you, you know what, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to conquer Satan, sin, and death. And you're like, okay. 
What, how are you going to do that? Well, actually, the main passage, the, the main verses of our passage here this morning are verses 56 to 57. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus looks at his life and he thinks, there is a possibility that I have of opening up the power of life over the power of death, opening up the power of joy and happiness in God over the power of sin and death in my people's lives. And so he looks at you and he looks at me and he says, I will take on, I will take their greatest fears, right? My greatest fear, your greatest fear, ultimately at the end of the day, because we are broken and sinful people who need help, our, our, our greatest fears are being found out for who we really are and being left there. Being found out for who we are because we uh, have all, uh, in one way or another, uh, disappointed um, God's designs for our lives, broken obedience to God's way that he has designed our life to be, and that we will be left there to be in the rubble heap of our lives for all eternity. But Jesus looks at those things and he says, I want a victory that's not really my victory, but theirs. And not some sort of virtual, like the Red Sox win the 2004 (laughs) World Series, and now all of us Red Sox fans are suddenly very happy about it, but we didn't actually get anything for it. It's a victory that actually has an impact and changes our lives today. See, the resurrection of Jesus Christ rewires our minds with his victory. So here's the main point of this this morning's passage, and then we're going to keep looking at this together. Live in his victorious resurrection today. This is the simple command of this passage. It's a simple hope. It's a simple design. Live in his victorious resurrection today. So how do we do this? There's kind of three days in mind when we talk about living in his resurrection. There's You live in expectation of that day when we will see him. We live in expectation of how this will change today. And then all the days in between. So we're going to look at verses 50 to 55. We're going to look at living in his victorious resurrection today means that we live in his, victor- in his victory, anticipating that day. Martin Luther has this famous line. This is where we're pulling this phrase from, that day. Martin Luther has this famous line where he says, there's two days on my calendar. There's today and that day, right? There's today. That's all I've got. And I know that there's going to be that day where I see Jesus face to face. And so when we read this passage, that's where this point is coming from. Live in his victory, anticipating that day. So verses 50 to 54, or 53, and then we'll come back to 54 and 55 at the end of this. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery, something that will be unfolded when we see it. We shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised, imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. This is, this is talking about the last day. Um, this is called the, the final days in the Bible. Uh, when God, when God um, returns, when Jesus returns, it makes all things new. And the one thing that you'll notice is that while it is that day, there is no, um, there's no recipe or prescription for understanding when that day happens. Right When it says a twinkling of the eye, 
Uh, I, I'm not exactly sure I've ever actually seen anybody's eye twinkle. I know that it's romantically I'm supposed to have seen a twinkle in my wife's eye, but apparently, but what that phrase actually means is just like a when you blink your eyes, like an involuntary uh, blinking of your eye, kind of when you you just you're trying to do a staring contest and you're trying to see who holds out the longest, and suddenly you blink your eyes and. Just in a moment. That's what it's talking about. And so what we get here is that despite what you might have heard from some from one uh, from others here or there, nobody knows when that last day is going to return. Right? It will suddenly appear like that. That's when it's going to return. There, the, uh, all the speculation is COVID nineteen a part of the end of the world. Um, yes and no. It's been the end of the world since Jesus rose from the dead. So. Uh, no, I'm not exactly sure that it has a, uh, a, an address in the Bible, but here's the thing. When Jesus returns, it will happen, and then it will suddenly happen, and then there will be all these things that must happen. Right? You'll, did you notice that when we were reading through this? There's all these declarations. It, it, it is, there's two, we shall be changed, and there's two musts. Let's read this again just to kind of pick up on them here. Verse 51, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Did you pick up on that? In a moment, in the twinkling of the eye, at the last trumpet. For the last trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For the perishable body, notice what it says here, must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. Right There, there is these, these things that shall happen and must happen. Why do they... Why is it that they shall and must? It is because of what Jesus has accomplished in his death and resurrection that begins a grace work in our lives, a grace work in this world that must come to, ha- must come to fruition. It must happen. It must be realized. Right? You'll notice that what do we do to participate in this? Well, we're just the recipients. We don't actually do anything to get the new body. Like We don't sign up. Uh, okay, on the resurrected body, I would like um, I would like a muscle mass of this size. I would like body fat size amount this amount. I would like this intellectual capacity. We don't we don't put in a, a request. <laughs> the resurrection happens and it is given to you. Right, this is a part of the whole nature of what grace is all about. Is that you don't sign up for it. The actually the only thing you do to sign up for grace, the only thing you sign up to get God's love, is that you're in desperate need of it. That's the only thing you bring to the table. And then he graciously comes to you and gives you all the world and himself, the, the very things that you did not actually want, but the only things that you need, right? Grace must come in. It, it begins by grace, by coming to Jesus to, through faith. It ends by grace. And that is why here we come to the end of this little section here, right? But how do we anticipate that day? Well, we anticipate that day when we will sing, at verse 54, when the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O death, where is your victory? Right? That's why we just sang this, this song, um, death is arrested. We sing about the end of death. We sing about the death of death, not because we've earned it or because we've actually done very much to put death to death, but because it has been put to death in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Right? It is rewiring us to look forward to the future, not because we've earned it or we've earned the resurrection in Jesus, but because he gives it to us. So when you are anxious about your life, when you're anxious about the future, when you're anxious about your death, I'm not sure who's thought about their death here, but 
I've thought about my death. What will it be like? When will it happen? Well, the reality is that the sting of it, there's really nothing that holds a power over me anymore. I'd like to think that I believe that all the time, but I don't. I still get anxious about it. I still worry about what will happen. What will it be like? But what these verses are telling us is that the rewiring of what Jesus has done in his resurrection, my experience of that is to say, um, if it's grace that has begun this story in my life, it, will grace that, it is grace that will see me through the resurrection, and then I will stand before God, and it will be only grace that gives me reward because I've done nothing to earn it. I've done, even as a pastor, right? I'm a professional Christian. I get paid to be a Christian. Right? I'd, even then, I don't get, it's not like suddenly like I get extra like gold stars on my name in front of God. The Heidelberg Catechism has a statement at the very beginning of it. What is your only hope in life and death? My only hope in life and death, body and soul, is my Lord, is my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who loves me. Right? The defeat of the enemy leads to, the sting, to singing that we did not earn. Here is one thing that we've picked up on through this passage, through this chapter, that maybe we kind of missed. But did you, you remember when we read verse 26 in, in uh, um, chapter 15? It says, the, um, I just keep missing it. Right, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. You see, death is a great power, it is a great enemy, it is actually the enemy of God. And should you die apart from Christ, it is God's enemy who has a victory over you, right? To die apart from Christ is condemnation and defeat at the hands of God's enemy. But to die in Christ, to die in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, looking to him for your life and hope in this life, it is an undeserved victory over our enemies. It is undeserved presence with us in our death. It is undeserved change that we could never have hoped to have deserved. And this is the very love of God for you. Right now, we, we tend to live in a world that thinks, um, I've earned this, I've earned that, and it is deserved. I, des- I, I deserve to have this sort of job. I deserve to have this sort of compensation. I deserve to have this sort of house, this sort of family. When it comes to inheriting God and the entire world, there's nothing that we have done to earn that. And it is very, the very enemy of God that takes it from us. And Jesus Christ, in defeating our enemy, now gives us eternal life with him. And so that is why we sing, death, where's your sting? Right? Who would taunt death apart from Jesus? But so that, lives, that leads us to our life that we live today. What's the, what does today look like? So verse 56 and 57, we live in his victory gratefully today, right? If we, if we anticipate a, a reward at the end of time, if we re- anticipate a resurrection like his that we haven't earned, what does that do for us today? Well, that does today that we live gratefully in his victory today. So verse 56 and 57, the sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, it's not like we've been given this life to live without a manual from God, right? We look at this, this is the manual for life and joy, right? If you want to know how to be happy, you want to know how to live, this is the manual. But we, here's how we treat this manual um, as though it's kind of like, thanks God, um, weird flex, but okay. Like, I'm not sure what this is good for. Like, I think I can do this on my own, 
right? We, we often misuse the very things that God has given to us for our own life and joy in him, right? These, these are actual examples. I want to just give a few examples. We misuse objects all the time, right? Have you ever had somebody who used um, the uh, spaghetti scooper to clean out their cat litter? Like that's, that's misusing the object, right? These are actual examples from people um, trying to uh, microwave our clothes to dry them, vacuuming the grass after it has been mowed, and this is one of my favorites, rubbing antibacterial hand wipes on our KFC because they said a hint of lemon <laughs> on them. <laughs> Sorry, that one was so gross, I couldn't help but share that one. Right? When God gives us his word, and he says it is pure and it is good, right? The Ten Commandments, they, they are the, 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 the design of life to knowing God and enjoying his designs for our life and our world. We take that and we just kind of throw it out the back window. Like, what good is it? That's what it says here, verse 56, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law, right? It is the very problem in our own hearts that we reject the very good things that God has given us to follow him. We say, okay, yeah, no, I'd rather not. Right, Adam and Eve, the very first thing that they do at the beginning of the world, after they have um, had this uh, very alluring, you know, hey, look, you can be like God if you take a bite of this apple. They say, God, look, we're going to do God's law 2.0. We really think we can redo this. After consulting our uh, PR and consulting our market campaigns, we really think that these sort of laws of like not eating from this tree um, could be rewritten to be a little bit softer and better. Right, that's how we treat God's law. Right, that that that's. The main source of pain and sorrow in our lives is when we try to do God's world in our way. And so the result of that is death. <laughs> that's, that's the result of that. That is why people die. And here we have, in verse 57, what we might call a gospel nugget. This is a gospel, a little gospel keychain, you might say. There's a few of these in the New Testament. There's maybe about 20 or 30 of them where like the entire gospel is summed up into this little perfect phrase where it is it basically telling us God has given us all good things in Jesus Christ, though we do not deserve it or did we want it. Verse 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? We were all like the people um, trying to do life on our own mowing the yard or uh, vacuuming the yard after it's been mowed and making a total mess and a fool of ourselves. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. When we tell our stories of how Jesus has saved them, they always include, I thought I could do my life on my own terms and my own way and get what I wanted in my own way. And ultimately I realized that my, my own way was absolutely useless. And, didn't. and so I will give you a victory over your own enemies that you actually want and keep. Tim Keller has this famous line where he says, the gospel is this, you are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. And yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hoped. We often think that God is a little annoyed with us, a little kind of like tolerating of us. And yet verse 57, this gospel nugget, tells us this is the Christian life that you are invited to, to be thankful for what God has done because he has given, given us the very victory of Jesus Christ over what? Our sin and death, right? We would 
have inherited our sin and its reward and our death to eternal decay, and yet God gives us a victory. Those things where we feel like we're a failure of a parent, we're a failure of a husband or a wife, we don't do our jobs nearly as well as we should, that people were to find out who we really are, that they would have been ashamed or embarrassed of who we are. Those things where we are afraid to be known, those things have been met with the victory of Jesus Christ over them. And then God gives it to you. It's as though you were a, um, the, the Red Sox won the four, 2004 World Series, and then God makes you a part of the team that won. Like somehow you look back at the real, the, the replay reel of everything, and Michael Scott makes these promises to these young kids. Um, hey, when you get to college, I'll pay for all of you to go to college. And of course, I'm, you know, you, you knowing Michael Scott and the office, he gets to that moment and he, he, he says, look, uh, the best I can give you is a laptop battery, <laughs> right? right? His promise did not pull through. This is not like that. Jesus Christ, when he rises from the dead, right, the soil of your lasting joy is in his empty grave, right? The promise of eternal life and joy with him, assurance that it will actually happen, that it will not be like a laptop battery as opposed to promising, being promised college. Actually experiencing that, that life is grounded in the reality that Jesus Christ rose actually rose from the grave. It is one of the most assured historical facts and to earn it. You know, I, I was a good dad today, today, so I'm going to be grateful for being a dad tonight. Actually, I was a horrible dad this morning. I'll probably be a horrible dad tonight. It, the gratitude that I experience in my life will only be because Jesus rose from the grave. He laid the full reward of my horrible dadness right in his grave, and he left it there and walked out to save me. That is the life that you were invited into. And now we're going to finish out with this. What does this do for our lives today? What was it li- how do we live in his victorious resurrection today? Verse 58, we live in his victory flourishing each day. Maybe these go to hand in hand, and maybe these should be one point. But it's simply to say here, verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Right? Grace is not theoretical. Grace actually changes. This victory of Jesus over Satan, sin, and death actually changes your life. And here's the reality. If you're considering Jesus or if you are a Christian, here's the invitation. You will live a hard enough life as a Christian where you need encouragement to be steadfast. You will need encouragement to be immovable. You will need encouragement to continually be abounding in the Lord. And you will need encouragement because your labor often feels like it is in vain. That is not the typical, hey, if you become a Christian, you're going to be a happy marriage, happy kids, happy job, right? That's not what we're promising. We're promising that in the midst of all those things, the very things that you feel are in vain, constantly changing diapers, constantly having kids disobedient, constantly having relationship disappointments, constantly being wondering, when am I going to get married? Am I going to find anybody? Constantly wondering, am I going to keep my job? Is my job going to, uh, am I going to get fired from my job? Constantly wondering, where am I going to live? What's going to happen to my parents? That's the invitation of the Christian life is to say, in the midst of those things, my beloved brothers and sisters, the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ, because he rose from the dead, is with you. And therefore, he will be with you to help you be steadfast. 
He will be with you to help you be unmovable. He will be with you to help you to constantly be abounding. That word abounding, flourishing, growing, constantly having these things that would be against you actually be a part of the pruning and helping you to grow to be like him. And even at the end of the day, when you feel like, I'm sure, I don't know how you feel these days with quarantine, working from home or whatever, you get to the end of the day and you're kind of like, what did I accomplish? <laughs> did I do anything today? Your labor in Lord Jesus is not in vain. So between this day and that day, even the mundane realities, he is with you because he rose from the dead. He's not some dead Messiah who has some platitudes to give you on a Hallmark card and say, hey, you're going to make it through. He's not a divine cat poster. He is actually alive. And what this does is it it rewires you to think about every day knowing that even on my worst, this is not the end. This is not the ultimate. The ultimate win is that Jesus Christ has destroyed the power of Satan, sin, and death. And so in him, you will regularly, constantly, even in hidden moments, be growing into this resurrection that he has won for you even when it seems like everything in your life is going against the resurrection and you're dying along the way, that's actually a part of the Christian life. You die every day to rise in him. You are growing into this resurrection that he has won for you and that he gives you. All our realities in life are met with a giving God who gives us the victory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the invitation of this passage, the invitation of our Easter service, the invitation of Jesus' resurrection on that Easter, that first Easter Sunday is to live, to flourish, to grow, to be grateful, to live in his victorious resurrection for you today. Thank you for listening to this message from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. Please feel free to share or distribute this content, but do not charge for it or alter the content in any way without permission. King's Cross Church exists to treasure, proclaim, and grow in the gospel of Jesus Christ. To find out more about King's Cross Church, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com.